Did you guys, has everybody here seen The Batman? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I saw it. It's, I, so my roommate was actually watching it just today because I guess it came on HBO Max. And I saw it in theaters, so it's been uh, like maybe a month, I guess, close to at this point. And it's like, it was one of those movies where I enjoyed it at the, like, I enjoyed the process of watching it, I have, but I have not thought about it for like a single second after I walked out the theater. It does not pay any rent in your mind, is what you're saying. Uh, no, yeah, like, it's like, it's not a, like, I, it's not like I think it's a bad movie or anything, I just think it's a totally fun watch, but just like, has had no sticking power whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, uh, I think it's stuck with me just because, um... I just, uh, I've always wanted a take on the Batman that portrays him as, you know, this billionaire who dresses up as a bat and how fucking weird that is. I don't think there's been a Batman movie that's actually addressed that. Like, what if this person actually kind of existed? He wouldn't be a totally sane person. So it stuck with mm. me in that sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I can see why uh, some people might not feel anything about it. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I I wrote this much notes. You guys can't see it because my camera is. In t- oh, that's so annoying. Look at all these notes I wrote about about the Batman. Uh, it was still. I think people who listen to this podcast will get the impression that we we don't like superhero movies, which is not true. Um, but and it, but it's I, kind I thought of the true. Batman. It's kind of true. Just, just no, because I I like Batman movies. I guess I even liked Joker, which which I think is is I'm losing some credibility Oof. by saying that. That's that that's is a hot take. take. Is it? You're not allowed. We may have to go there. I will say, say the <laughs> the one thing about um, the Batman has a okay. Have I, I won't say what, but have both of you played or either of you really played the? I guess just the first season of the Telltale Batman game. Mm-mm. No, I think I I, I I've like so I've watched my brother play it, but I've never actually played it. There's a certain kind of plot point in that that is also in the Batman that um, I will to be vague do not give in the specifics, but there's a like uh, there's a thing, a plot point that happens in the Batman that they then kind of like reverse course on like five minutes later that I think would have been much more interesting if they actually went with it where they actually do go with it in the Telltale series. Oh, uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Ways. Is this something that happens yeah. in the very end It has of the to do movie? with Bruce Wayne's parents. Uh, I okay. think that's vague enough to not mm. not spoil for people, but uh I think the movie would have been much better off if they had stuck with what they were doing at one point instead of kind of reversing it and not making it not making it as morally complicated as it could have been. Mm. Yeah, I felt that way a little bit about the final third of the movie. Um as much as I loved it, uh, I, I thought they did a really good job leaning into how Batman and the existence of Batman might actually be causing more problems than actually helping society. And then at the mm-hmm. way end of the movie, they kind of go like, oh, he is good. He is helpful a little bit. And I kind of wish they went full right. into, um, I don't think Batman's actually helping people, though I do appreciate how in the movie there's like little hints dropped like by... Um, for example, the person running for mayor, she drops a hint that, uh, you know, you could really be helping the city by doing some philanthropy or like something like that. But instead, he mm-hmm. chooses to just dress up as a bat. And that's his way of helping society. But it's not actually really doing anything. Um, I thought that was interesting, at least. 
Yeah. It definitely feels like it pulled some punches in that last third. Yes. Like there were some places I thought if it went, it might have been more interesting. But uh, but all in all, I enjoyed it. Like it was it was a pretty pleasurable movie to watch. Nice uh, nice HDR, good colors or whatever you know. The cinematic movie. I kind of like. I like that they're making these. Um, I guess they're just making it with Batman, but they're doing like Batman series one-offs that are kind of like not part of any cinematic universe or any trilogies or anything like that gives me yeah big fan of that yeah more less less cinematic universes yeah we need more movies we need more movies that start and end that's what we need the the only cinematic universe that i like is which isn't really a cinematic universe it's a television universe is the uh, breaking bad universe i'm I'm okay with that because better call saul is really great uh, the season premiere was yesterday, two days ago, and it was great. So that's the one I like. The other ones I can do without. <laughs> All right. Can I can I tell you a quick little tangent about one of the weird ways in what, which I hate cinematic universes? <laughs> so uh, I work at a movie theater, which means now, like, if you work at a movie theater now, and you work as any sort of usher or person who has to come in and clean up the theaters after the movie is over, you are basically guaranteed to have to wait until... Because normally, so if you work in a theater, at least every theater I worked in, if everyone leaves the theater while the credits are still playing, then you're fine to go in and start cleaning up early because no one's in there, you're not disturbing anyone's time. But now because everything is a cinematic universe and everything has a post credit scene that sting for like <laughs> a stinger to tease the next movie... Regardless of if the movie actually has a post credit scene, every big movie, every there's at least like 10 people that are going to stay to the end of that movie, no matter what, because they just assume it has a post credit scene now. And it is the bane uh, of my existence. You see, cinematic universes, they, they, they hurt everybody. These Right, they're help, they're hurting the little person that has to clean up the theaters. You know, it was funny because yeah. I, uh, I, I, the, I know not the Matrix Resurrections is a divisive movie, but one thing that I think I uni- I really appreciate about that movie is its final post credit scene. It's just some bullshit like cat Matrix thing to kind of like give a middle finger to extended uni- universe movies. Not saying that that like solves the problem, but we need to just get rid of those. And. <laughs> Mm. weirdly i would say on average that probably had the lowest retention rate of like that was the most of like people just walked out of it anyway <laughs> like did not stay for the post credit scene that's the energy we need we need just movies that have total contempt for their fan base that they just walk out of the theater anyway that's what we need. oh my god they're just like they're not gonna put it's a matrix movie they're not gonna put a post credit scene it's not a, it's not technically superheroes that like was in a comic book they're not gonna have a post credit so keanu reeves is a superhero in my heart yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a superhero movie still in the in good oh, ways yeah. that I like, but like, yeah, it's uh, you know, it wasn't it did, there wasn't Neo Comics 1 in like 1937. Yeah. Well, I feel for you, Drew. I'm so sorry about all those post-credit scenes. That must be awful. It's all right. You don't want to know how many times I saw the post-credit scene for Frozen 2. Uh, oh, wow. I haven't even seen that movie. I got to say, if uh, if you don't like this trend, don't uh, 
don't do this job in Los Angeles where half the people in any, in any theater are like loosely connected to the entertainment industry. So they sit and watch the credits. It's almost like, like a oh. weird practice. Like in LA, everybody just sits and watch the credits. And it's like the first person to leave is like, Ooh, why is that person leaving the theater? We, gotta, we watch these credits. Oh yeah. Here. There's weird social pressure attached to it. Yes. Who, who yes. just walked out of the theater? That fucking asshole. Oh, wait, that's Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. Yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson does not respect grips. He's going to get... He'll never work in this town again. He's done. Uh, Drew, welcome to the show. Thanks for showing up for us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Oren, what's going on with you? Um, I'm okay. Just uh, a little bit uh, shell-shocked because I had this weird incident where I went to buy clothes at a Kohl's. Buy clothes. Have you ever been to Kohl's? Kohl's. Is it like a barbecue place? I don't know. Maybe it's like a Midwestern clothing chain. But I went up to the ca- Yeah. Is that not national? I thought that was like Maybe. a national I, I'm, thing. I'm teasing. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been to Kohl's. <laughs> it's like- Aaron just trolled me. But anyway, I was I was yeah. at Kohl's just buying like some t-shirts. And I went up to the cashier to check out. And the cashier was like, oh, do you want to open an account? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, it must be like a rewards account. And then I open mm-hmm. the account. And then, like, after the transaction's over, I walk away and I notice that on the receipt, it wasn't my debit card. It was like a, a card, a different card. Your new credit card. <laughs> yeah, you got signed up for a credit yeah, card. Yeah, so I like wow. went all the way back and I'm like, what the, what, what is the, what's going on? He's like, oh, yeah, you send up, signed up for a new credit card. And I'm like, I did? I thought I was signing up for a rewards program. <laughs> so I feel like. That's our new dystopian I feel like I got future. scammed, like, legitimately. I mean, I figured it out, you, but, you, yeah, oh, my God. You did. <laughs> hmm. So I'm a little frazzled. Out. I'm just a little bit like, I, I can't trust anybody for, like, the next two weeks. I just don't. How much is your Kohl's I mean, limit? They they have they have Kohl's bucks, so now we have Kohl's credit cards. Uh, it's horrible. I don't like this future. This is a bad idea. Go back. Pre- delete, go back. Anyway, that's how I am. Go back to to what? What year would you go back to, Orin? What's what's the uh, the perfect year? Well, I would take all of the video game technology of 2022, so that would remain the same. Okay. And then I would go back to. Um, I would go back. You know what? I would keep everything the same as 2022, but I would get rid of okay. all of the credit card bullshit, the social inequality. Um, not that there was a time where that didn't exist, but um, I don't know. Or I feel like this is a dodge. You know what? I'm just going to make a utopia. I'm just going to make a made-up utopia that can't possibly exist because there's too much corporate nonsense so in history. But what you're really going to do is freeze all technology and then move into the future. I'm I'm going to go is, all the not... way back to when Karl Marx wrote Das Kapital, and like the person who decided the course of history was like, oh, you know what? Let's do let's do more socialism, and then we just go into that future instead. Instead of that happened. That happened. That happened. We went into the socialism. Where did it happen? Uh, all of Asia. Uh, well, in in the U.S. part, we do less corporate <laughs> capitalism, and a, uh, just just less yeah. corporate capitalism. That's all I'm asking for in the West. All right, that's that, it. That's it. That's the only thing that's wrong. Um, <laughs> no big. I don't know. I don't know what else is wrong. This is too many questions. Also, we need to cancel Marvel. I mean, that's a we good start. Cancel Marvel too. Cancel Marvel? Why? Um, 
as in like just just pretend it didn't exist kevin Feige just never came up with that idea he he like it just didn't work out at disney and it just never happened or can i introduce some cringe to this podcast i already did i i, I think i can up the ante <laughs> a little bit uh I, I i saw on twitter today some people dunking on a guy i guess a guy and a someone else who were talking about how wouldn't it be great if Marvel started funding art films set in the cinematic universe that had no superheroes in them. Check this out. Lost in Translation, right? The Sofia Coppola movie, but instead it's Tony Stark and a Valkyrie from the Thor universe, right? Anyone? The Royal Tenenbaums, but instead of Gene Hackman, you got Thor. Right. It's already bad enough that like I have to hear about how the Winter Soldier is actually a political thriller. Like, no, it's not. It's a Marvel movie. There's a giant like laser in the sky and giant floating space. Like, no, it's not. I'm sorry, it's not. Yeah. It's fine if you like it. You're like I don't personally like it very much. I don't. I don't. Am not offended if you like it. You are allowed to like it. But please don't try telling me that like. It's a political thriller and all these other things I hear about. It's like, it's actually more of this kind. It's not a Marvel movie. It's this kind of movie. No, it's not. And it's fine that it's not. Just be honest with yourself, please. That's kind of like when people try to say that the Joker is a deep political message. And I'm like, what's the political message? (laughs) Like, please tell me. That we like Scorsese. (laughs) That's the political political message. message. Yeah. We I watched the King of Comedy once, and I thought, you know what? That's a pretty good movie. What if the Joker was in it? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I I mean, ugh, God damn it, it's so true, right? But anyway. Uh... Okay. One more quick theater story. I'll tell you that the good thing about working at a theater is, uh, if you work at the right theater where they have the right job, you can just watch movies on the clock, which is entirely how I watched the Joker. Which you know what? If you're watching it in 30-minute chunks uh, for while getting paid, not a bad way to watch that movie. Still an awful movie, but you know what? Hmm. Probably the best way, if you're going to have to watch The Joker, that's probably the best way to do it. I highly recommend it. Let's, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Why is The Joker an awful movie? Um, G- give me this, the, the, the easy I, case. I think it, you kind of already said it. It's like, like, what if we took a Martin Scorsese movie strip it of any social or cultural or political context that it had during the time and then just make it a joker origin story that's how that's right. how i feel also but what if we took taxi driver and seven and zodiac and made a movie about batman i get not so bad nobody's hating I, on I, batman for I that i get that but i think the batman does enough interesting things that are like like it doesn't take itself so seriously and it feels mm, like it's just mm-hmm. kind of picking influences while the joker is literally like yeah let's just do that it's it's lifting full right. scenes like yeah. literally like it's True. it is it is egregious in a way that very few movies are. like it is it is above homage to just like I'm I'm not a very big like you know uh, like art needs to be original and like anything that like references it is like you know not worthwhile but like there there's not it's it's a lot of just the king of comedy but with the Joker well, also like uh, I mean Scorsese like if like you know I've read interviews with him and he's a lot a lot of what he talks about with Taxi Driver for example is he was trying to like 
deconstruct like a ter- certain type of like anti-hero that is usually glorified in western cinema like the the masculine man going to kill the bad guys to save the woman like he was de- deconstructing a lot of that with taxi driver and the joker is just not interested in that it's literally just right. what if it's scorsese but the joker <laughs> so yeah yeah it is complete reproduction of the aesthetic without any of the actual meaning exactly the aesthetic yeah all right all right i dig it it's really uh, fun that you like it i think it's great that you like it aaron i i think it's it, yeah. it's enjoyable like I, i've i've watched the king of comedy and taxi driver like 100 times each and and it is i don't know i, I just i had a good time i've only seen it once though and i don't think i'll ever watch it again also i like walking phoenix for the most part i mean uh it's uh, though i will say that i'd rather just watch the master if i want to get that type of performance Mm, um, true true but anyway <clears throat> it does make me so sad that he won the oscar for joker in the year before wasn't even nominated for you were never even he, ne- never right. really here like mm. that's boy. that's a better <laughs> wow. scorsese i mean i'm glad so i'm yeah i'm glad you got the statue i guess but boy well uh drew i um before we proceed to talk video games i wanted to like uh give you a chance uh to introduce yourself and talk about your channel for a sec because uh, uh, you have a channel select screen and uh, you've made some really, really cool videos in the past. So I just wanted you to, you know, the floor is yours to talk about uh, what you do. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I, I hope you don't like new videos because I haven't really made one of those in a while. (laughs) Uh, But we know the feeling. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like my channel is like, I refer to it, it's not dead, it's just in hibernation currently. Uh, like, you know, there's always... My problem was never, has never been ideas. I've forever, since I first started making videos, have had like Word documents of like multiple pages long of just like random ideas. It's uh, as I think, I assume most people that are adults listening to this probably can... Uh, relate to it's the time and energy problem that it's uh, really gets in the way Um, but yeah I like I I guess it's pertinent for I would assume most people that listen to this podcast I started out most of my earlier videos for like the first year were pretty much almost entirely video game stuff and then I have since pivoted away to I don't know like I I think I have it described on like the description of my channel at this point of like my videos are mostly just about questions where the answers are always it's complicated um I guess the topic wise I've kind of weirdly pivoted into mostly covering like anime but then I did a video about do you really own the art you buy so it's kind of the channel was kind of it doesn't have a theme anymore really other than just I try and make videos that interest me and yeah they're usually like it's usually about trying to take something that could sounds on paper like as maybe a simple idea and then maybe trying to give you idea hopefully the idea is give you maybe a different perspective on this thing that you maybe had thought of is a pretty simple answer beforehand well uh one thing i uh, really appreciate about your channel is not only uh the content of your channel but uh also, uh, I, I think you just bring a, like this isn't like the deepest thing to comment on in, on your channel, but I think you have like a really great uh, screen pre- presence, and I feel like a lot of people don't have that. Like I'm a, I'm almost afraid to whenever I do video essays to put myself on camera, 
because it's just like I just never feel totally comfortable doing that. But like you, you're so natural, and um, like watching some of your recent videos, and even watching you in uh, Zach Frazier's Batman video, which is actually how I discovered you, uh, friend of the channel Zach Frazier. Um, I just kind of I, I just admire that about uh, your work. Um, but yeah. Well. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, I appreciate that. I let me tell you, it is not. I mean, uh, the me being on camera is not was not a creative choice so much as it was. Um, I want to do this ninety minute video over Evangelion, and I one there's not enough footage of Evangelion to use <laughs> for a ninety minute video without reusing footage, and two, uh, I can't keep doing like at most 10 second clips at a time to get around copyright claims yes. uh to yeah uh get my video actually live so it was more a change out of necessity than uh cuz honestly if i still if i had it my way if i could i would not be on camera at all still cuz it's honestly i find that um it is nice to be able to go from like all of a sudden like oh like i just have this whole stretch of i don't have to find footage for this section instead and like not have to do the I'm talking about something kind of fairly abstract here. I don't know what footage I can even use for this that makes sense. Um, but I don't know. I Honestly, the my favorite part of making videos is kind of figuring that out, though, at the same time, even though it can be a bit of a headache of, like, trying to find footage and edit it or re-edit it in a way that, while it maybe it isn't, like, literally what I'm talking about, it kind of still gives a vibe and a feel of what I'm talking about. And like all all the little stuff that I like, there's no way anyone who watches my video actually knows about, is like always my favorite stuff. Like literally, I, let me give you this one quick little example that I always love. In um, in my last video about Ghost in the Shell, I literally needed um something about where I was talking about how in animation, like you have to literally decide like when a character blinks or not because that's what you're drawing them blinking, and. I had this little clip from Mob Psycho 100 where at the very end, like Mob blinks like once, and I actually just re-edited, like I basically reanimated it more or less to make it so that he blinks like three or four times right when I needed him to, and that's like something that there's no way unless you for some reason have a photographic memory of this one random shot from like the first episode of Mob Psycho 100, you'd have no idea like oh he doesn't actually blink that many times but like that's like anytime if for whatever reason I'm like need to reference back a video and I see that I'm like that's a little thing just for me. I love that. I love that. That's fun. Uh, yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Aaron, were you gonna say something? I have a totally stupid question that, that I think kind of defeats the purpose of, of your channel to add nuance to seemingly simple but more complex questions. Sekiro, English or Japanese, based off your subs and dubs video. Uh, I mean, I think I did. So most video games I do. So that's weird. I, Sekiro I did Japanese only because I think I forgot. I don't even, I forget that you can do English in that. Yeah. Because it defaults to Japanese, it does, right? It does. I did try. I remember I did try to do, and Sekiro is easy enough to do it with. I I remember I tried to play Nier Automata in Japanese, just because I like. Um, I remember playing the demo in Japanese to begin with, just because I was like, I want to see what it, it sounds like, uh, and like it was impossible because there's so much dialogue that goes on while action is happening, and like I could not do the action and read the subtitles at the same time. Yeah. 
So I like had to do English for that. But I don't remember having that same problem with Sekiro for whatever reason. I guess because, you know, the if anyone is talking, it is usually either in a cutscene or pretty much at a point where you're not doing anything. Or if there is talking while you're doing, it's probably not actually important that you have to take in that information. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really, uh, I just want to say uh, that's like an awesome, um, first of all, Near Automata. That's one of my favorite games. I played it uh, English dub, but it was funny because like uh, uh, I was playing Ghost of Tsushima and I usually never, ever like think about subs or dubs. I usually just kind of go with the default. But with Ghost of Tsushima, I actually found myself preferring the English dub of that game just because when I play because I was switching back and forth like I feel like I should play Japanese dub and the Japanese dub I felt like the actor was like a little too intense for Jin Sakai and the English actor like was a lot more calm for Jin Sakai I don't know if you any <laughs> of you guys had that experience with the game where it's like um, like I don't know maybe it's like a Japanese setting but you prefer the English dub um, uh, I know that it's I, Soccer Punch, so it's an English company. It's not Japanese. It's funny because for that game, they actually like did the voice, the lip syncing to the English, even though it defaulted to Japanese. Right. Which is that's what I was trying to remember because I remember that was like I haven't played the game. But I remember that was a thing. I couldn't remember where it went down on. Of like, I, was it like it originally came out and they were like maybe going to, they either just couldn't or were saying maybe they were going to go back and reanimate it also to match the Japanese so lip flaps. They did, but for the director's cut that came out like two years later. I see. Um, it's interesting. I played that in Japanese, and, and watching your subs and dubs video reminded me that there was many moments where I just was not able to take in the scene because there was so much freaking dialogue to read, <laughs> and I'm a slow-ass reader. And I was like, man, I, I but at the same time, I have this like, goofy like like i just can't i can't switch it to english it like hurts my it, it hurts me in, internally for some reason uh, like i just i don't know i feel like i'm not getting the right thing even though it's such a weird thing because that's a game where they clearly made it in english and that was like but like i guess they waffled on whether that was the intended version because like the, the game released for north american audiences has a japanese default even though it has an english lip syncing it's very strange yeah, but not even to get into the whole Kurosawa mode thing, even mm. on top of all that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it is. Yeah, we got filters. Um, it, it's uh, it's kind of funny because it's just uh, like they say it's a Kurosawa mode, and then you like watch the actual cutscenes, and it's just like anything but Kurosawa. It's just like oh, this is just like a regular, yeah. like Hollywood shot coverage, but it's less. Yeah, it's less a mode, yeah, more, a it's more a filter. It's a filter. Yeah. <laughs> But um, uh, but yeah. All right. Well, I've completely derailed that. But uh, the, w w like, give a shout out to your channel. It's, it's called Select Screen. Uh yes. Yeah, uh, just uh, YouTube.com/slash/SelectScreen should get you right there where you want to be. Uh, maybe I have I have recently kind of I've had like three main kind of like a sort of uh, unofficial trilogy of videos in my head that have kind of been if I get back to it that's kind of the next thing i want to do and i've recently got a little bit back into putting the finishing touches on research and stuff i need to watch for the what would be the next one so hopefully hopefully i can get to it uh sometime in the near future i, I kind of like realize that um creative work comes in waves at least for me 
So like there will be like a period of a year where I'm just super creative and I'm just doing like uh, projects that I want to do. And then the next year I'm just like focused more on like free time and not creating. So I'm sure my point is, is that I'm sure the, the wave is going to come back at some point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like it, the it's also no coincidence that when I kind of I finished that last video and then like moved like not cities or anything but just moved to a different part of the city and with a new roommate like a couple weeks after that and then just resituating that getting a new job and everything and it's you know all all the boring adult life stuff that gets in the way Mm. we just had to do our taxes it's just like too much bullshit (laughs) all yeah i haven't made a video since 2016 because of my taxes honestly fair (laughs) fair no (laughs) (laughs) it's hard man it's hard it's like i totally relate to having this just like huge list of ideas that i look at although when i go back and look at lists that are a few years old i'm like glad i didn't make some of those videos but uh (laughs) oh uh, yeah the vast 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 majority is they're all like dog shit ideas they're just just like it just like random stuff like like you'll like type down and be like let you like woke up at 3 a.m and like i this is a good idea and then you go back like even a day or at worst like six months later like i don't even know what this is supposed to mean anymore right right yeah i have a lot of texts for myself of that along those lines so i can feel it but i i watched several of your videos and i i really like what you're doing so i recommend people go check it out there's some good stuff there thank you i appreciate it uh so all right let's talk about games games we've been playing this is weird because like normally this time of the year is like it's it's the calm before the storm but now there's no fucking storm, right? Like E3 canceled. <laughs> we got Blizzard making announcements about World of Warcraft. Nobody cares. Nothing to talk about. There's no news. There's no games. It's just Elden Ring. That's all I can fucking play. Uh, well, or save me. Well, I, I should uh, mention that uh, uh, Kevin has disappeared from from the storm, like completely. My brother. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. just he, oh, yeah. he just didn't he didn't even want to come on the podcast today because he was like, there's no games. Like, what's the point? There's no games. What's the point? So that's why... There's no games. There's no news. There's no hype. There's no rumors. That's why he's not here. He's like, I can't. I just can't. There's there's no point. He also... He's like a gremlin. If he podcasts after 6 p.m., he turns into like a... You know, he goes from Mogwai to gremlin. Full transformation. So it's, it's past <laughs> his bedtime. He's sleeping. Kevin, we love you. We'll see you next week. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, what should we... Well, like, first of all, I did play Weird West. Let's talk about Weird West. Let's talk about Weird West. I played some Weird you West. You did? Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. I played uh, uh, much of the first chapter. Okay. So, Jane. And I did like it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 so... I should... It's... Yeah, let's talk... I should mention you that beat I it. beat it. Yeah, I, I beat Weird West. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I beat it, like, a week ago at this point, so it's been a moment. And I have the same vibes for it that I had for the Outer Worlds. R- really good... Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds, not Wilds. Worlds. Okay, right. And that was like a game that, same energy. Play, played mm-hmm. it for about 15 to 20 hours. Really liked it in the moment. Really liked what it was doing. And once I finished it, I never thought about it again. <laughs> and that's where I'm at with Weird West. I really like that game. It's a functionally great RPG. Mm-hmm but it didn't have as much of a lasting impact as I wanted, but I do like it. I do Mm. recommend it. Uh, I think it, uh, I think my biggest criticism of it is that 
I don't know if you knew this, Aaron, but there's five vignettes. Like, there's five characters who play I, as. I, I know that, yeah. Uh, yeah. I got a little worn out by the fourth <clears throat> one because it started to feel pointless upgrading and upgrading and, like, getting used to a new character over and over again. And then losing that progression. Well, it's weird because one of the upgrade trees is universal, um, I think it's like the task okay. cards or something. Like that's universal, ah. but the other upgrade tree—I can't remember what it's called. It's like like the weird purple, purple trinket things. That is unique to your character, and I don't know. After a certain point, I just kind of got a little bit exhausted with that structure of, okay, now we're starting a new story, and I need to know like a new set of characters, and I need to know like what the conflict is. It's like uh, it felt like it was. Um, and I don't think the game does a really good job uh, bringing you into the new character's world. It's almost like jumping into the third season of a TV show. It's like, oh, here's the stakes. This is what you have to do. This is what's going on. This is who you are. Like, I'm like, wait, what, what, what's going on? What, what, what's up? <laughs> but uh, hmm. I, but I, I did like the game. Like, I think what I like about it yeah. the most is that it's very uh, elastic in terms of how you can play it. You could play it very stealthy. You can be diplomatic. It's very Outer Worlds energy. Um, what, what do you think, Aaron? I, I've hogged this, the spotlight too much. Outer Worlds. Like, it's weird that you keep... I guess I only played like 20 minutes of that game, so I, I can't even... There's no nexus there for me. But um, I like it. I, I think it's cool. It, it It is like a very good harmonization of a, of a twin-stick shooter, CRPG, and immersive sim. Um like the stealth is a little funky the controls are a little funky at times i definitely think that it's way better to play with a mouse and keyboard than with a controller i found the controller to be a little challenging to be accurate but once i switched to mouse and keyboard i was having a little bit of a better time with that how did you find that the controls um it's interesting because i played it with a controller and at first mm -hmm. i didn't like it and but i started to like it in the sense that when I would fire a gun and I would be kind of imprecise, I kind of felt like I was actually firing a gun where it's like, I'm like kind of missing. And that sounds like a very unintentional, uh, you know, turning a negative into a positive, but I kind of liked how I never figured out the twin stick shooting. Cause it kind of made it more immersive where I just have this six shooter and I'm like, and I keep missing my shot. And I know that sounds All weird, right. but I, I ended up kind of liking it. I know that's a very weird thing to say. I get that. I get that. That's, that's it's like the last uh, of us. Good. It's like the last of us where it's like, you're trying to line up a shot and you keep missing sort of right. thing. That's how I felt with that game. Totally. Okay. That's a good spin. Um, yeah, like I like the game. I need to spend more time with it. My part of the problem, I have two problems right now. I've been traveling a lot lately because it's it's a thing you can do again apparently. And Elden Ring is just really it's chewing up my mental real estate, you know what I mean? Right. For games. But I sat down, I played this game for about 5 or 6 hours and uh maybe a little less than that. But I I I liked it. Like I think it's it's I, I'll know more next time, but uh it's on the right track. The only thing I did not love was the sort of map screen where you do this. It's it's like it's a board game setup, Oregon Trail or something. Where you're <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Like like you like travel on the world map and you like watch your dude. Like you watch like footsteps being made towards the location. Um, I, I guess like it when I think of like the heritage 
that's that's on display here. This is like former arcane devs making a game that they're saying this is this is in the immersive sim whatever. Um, it doesn't have the sort of level of exploration that I that I come to expect from a Prey or a Dishonored, even though the levels are, are well designed. So it's missing that, but it definitely has maybe even more like flexibility and like permutations, like different ways you can play maps, different weird shit you can do. I dig it. Yeah, yeah. I, I overall really like the game. I just, um, I, I'd be lying if I felt like it had a lasting impression in the way say like i remember after playing dishonored 2 for example i was like oh wow that game was so awesome some of those levels were so creative and it never quite i know that's a really high watermark like a dishonored 2 or a prey and i shouldn't expect that of of games of that heritage but no but you sh- i mean yeah different budget right different different size of a studio right. but like this is coming from people who are claiming that this is sort of a not a spiritual descendant but like a it shares the DNA of those games. Yeah, I think it. I kind of wish you just had one character. Like, I wish, I wish yeah. it maybe it, five characters was just a little too much. Uh, I will say by the fit the by the fifth character. Actually, I'm not going to say that because that's kind of a spoiler. But I, I, I'll just say it was just a little too much, and I think it would have been better if they created an experience where you just have one character that you get really attached to and that character gets involved in uh, a lot of different things and maybe have the other characters be like side characters. Cause I think that structure yeah. ended up being a disservice because so many of the stories feel kind of glossed over. Or they feel just so like, okay, like here are the stakes. Here's this. Okay. Now play the game. And that happens five times to the point where it was kind of overwhelming, yeah. but it was good. I, I thought, if I had to rank it, like it's probably below Dishonored Two and Prey, but above uh, Deathloop, I would say. So there's that. That's how, that's why I'd give it an eight out of ten. Like it was a solid, it was a solid game. I liked it despite my problems. All right, cool. Uh, Weird West, uh, Drew. Yes. Tell me, have you been playing some games lately? Uh, I weirdly I have I, I say weirdly because uh, when Oren originally invited me on the podcast, I was like, oh, I am flattered to be invited, but like, I don't I don't play a lot of video games anymore. So I don't know that I really would have anything to add. But I actually have weirdly played a lot of games. Uh, like I've I've beaten Elden Ring, as I think we'll get into a little bit later. Um, and then after that, I played Tunic, played through that, and mm. uh, enjoyed it. I think it's a nice, nice little game. I don't have like I don't have super strong feelings about it, other than just it was a nice little game. Um, but the game I played most recently and beat that is the one I'd actually want to talk about is uh, Norco. Have, how much? I guess first I want to know, like how much I don't think either of you have played it. How much do you know about Norco? I'm googling it right now. I I, <laughs> I don't know anything about nope. it, and it's not coming. It's it needs they need to work on their SEO because it's not coming up. <laughs> I, I will say I, I listen to the Next Lander podcast a lot, which is Alex Navarro's, mm. uh, Vinny Caravella's, mm-hmm. and Brad Shoemaker's podcast. Oh, and they're obsessed with it. They love that game so. Oh, I'm down. I'm immediately after seeing the webpage. I'm I'm like buying it and downloading it right now. 
tell me more yeah, about Narco. It's very good. So it's like um, it's getting a lot of Disco Elysium comparisons, which uh, I think are fair, but also maybe a bit at the same time a bit too generalized. Um, I would say like it's it's more of where like Disco Elysium kind of has its roots in um, old school CRPGs. This is more like takes its root from like old school point and click adventures. Um, it's both like like Disco Elysium is a very narrative heavy game, and it's uh, it's it is definitely a point and click adventure in that it has like quote unquote puzzles of like go to one place, pick up an item, take it to another place to proceed along the story. But none of them it's none of them are very hard at all. It's all very it's I never felt the need to like I need to look up a guide or anything. Certainly, it's all pretty self explanatory. Um, but so, yeah, I guess basically like the general setup for the game is that you, you play as a woman named Kay who grew up in, uh, Norco, Louisiana, which is a, a real place. Uh, the setting is kind of like, it's, it's near future. It's not like fully cyberpunk, fully dystopian, but it takes like bits of those, you know, I wouldn't call them fully either of those, but it takes little bits of those. Um, Kay has been left Norco, grew up there, had not a great childhood and family experience. You move away from there. Uh, you spend time going around the United States where there seems to be like kind of like, it's not like full anarchy, but there's like border wars with like mercenary groups along like the, your like spend time in like, I think Arizona or New Mexico. And like you've, you've spent time in like uh, with a mercenary group and stuff, stuff like that. Um, uh, but you come back, the game starts with you coming back to Norco because your mom has passed away from cancer uh, and you're basically going back there to kind of settle things with your family and kind of reconnect with your brother who has uh, kind of been aloof. And you, you quickly learn that uh, kind of the main driving force of the game is that um, there's there uh in norco there's a big refinery company called shield that basically is like bought up a bunch of land and basically owns the whole town um i should also say norco is basically a suburb of new orleans so and uh i think um i don't think it's explicitly said in the game but i think i i think i learned this in a podcast to listen to norco actually stands for new orleans refinery company like that's literally the name of the like suburb really? uh and so like shield shield is like a a twist on the name for like shell which i believe is the actual company oh. that is in norco um but yeah they're in the game they're a like conglomerate like own a bunch of land and have like uh it's like if what if amazon was a petroleum company basically uh and you learn that maybe there were some higher ups at shield that maybe you also wanted something to do with your mom so you try to figure out maybe maybe her death wasn't uh so normal and also your brother has gone missing so the the main thrust is you're trying to figure out the mystery behind what was going on with your mom the last couple months of her life and where your brother is at um and yeah it's really uh you know i can't like get into too much of the specifics obviously because it is very narrative heavy so those would obviously be spoilers it's a game i could talk about for a really long time uh with spoilers but I guess I'll say it's kind of my pitch to why people should play it as like, it's a game that is about a lot of different things. Like it touches on a lot of different uh, stuff, um, 
But I think at the core of it and what I really came away with, what I really liked about it is it's a game about, it's obviously a game about returning home um, and kind of settling your affairs with people that, uh, you know, had moments in your life where you intersected. Um, but it's, and it's also about stuff like that of like the effects that you have on people, both good, negative, and, but most often just kind of in mundane ways. And it's about, it's kind of about being there for people. And even though, you know, not even knowing the people that you end up being there for, or maybe the people you least expected to be there for and have like a positive influence on their life. Uh, and this is all also in like a very, like, it's like sounds like a very I'm I'm feeling like I'm playing it as a very serious dour game, but it's also like it's really funny too. Like it's it's it is not um like I haven't played Disco Elysium, although I know a fair bit about it just because how big it was. But to me, I feel like the tone of Disco has always seemed like snarky, for lack of a better term. This is more it's sincere, but it's like confident enough to be like it's like funny and goofy and like uh, but like. Not in like not in a snarky manner, hmm. um, if that makes sense. Um, so it's uh, it has a lot of levity too uh, to it as well. I will say also sometime to, I think this will give you an idea of kind of what the tone can sometimes shift to. Of like, I think if if at the few points where I kind of was a little off it, where it wasn't working for me as much, is where the tone almost slips a little too much into like Undertale, which is. I, I love Undertale personally. Like I know for some people, the like tone of that game's writing is a little too online. I guess you would say. Um, I really like Undertale, uh, but that tone here, sometimes going too much, diverging into that kind of territory, is kind of what lost me a little bit. But like, I kind of mm. just say that, like I said, to give you the idea of like it's not all dour. Also, it's it's very like Southern Gothic mixed with like kind of online. A little bit of like online humor mixed with uh like like i said a bit of cyberpunk a bit of dystopian i've like if you for movie references i've been saying a lot like it's it's kind of like um a scanner darkly mixed with winter's bone huh. wow i haven't heard of winter's hmm. bone in a long time i love i love winter's bone so that's like one of my favorite movies hmm. because i mean because i grew up in oklahoma so like right next to like it's not like the exact same as like the Ozarks that are like in, in that movie, but it's like the vibe is very similar. Mm. Yeah, that it wasn't. Um, wasn't but yeah, that, that's uh, like what's her name? Jennifer Lawrence's breakout role or something? Yep, J Law. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was like before, before like yeah, that was the thing that on the map, games, and then yeah. like after that, yeah, she got like the Hunger Games like right after that, and then blew up. I really want. I really want to play I, I have this to game. S- I've heard. Uh, first of all, very well said, Drew. Yeah. Uh, se- oh yeah. Second of all, I want to check it out. Uh, I've also heard it's really funny. Like, is that true? Like, in kind of a. That's what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like it's like, it, it, most of the humor works for me. Like I said, sometimes it gets a little. There's kind of a section of the game where it gets a little off the rails for me. Just I think just a little too much off the of kind of the path it's on um but for the most part yeah like i think it the humor and the style of writing totally works it's a very like it's a very writerly game but it also like does not like it's it's writerly but not verbose if that makes sense like it's not like um anything that's described is not like more than like 
a couple sentences. Like it's a game that loves to get like the perfect couple sentences strung together, but you're almost never sitting there just reading paragraphs and paragraphs of stuff. Thank God. And if it, yeah. the one time I can think of where it does that, it's done specifically as a gag, basically, hmm. which was like one of the funniest parts in the game. So like, um, it's definitely a game for people. Like if you like good writing, but it's also not like, you don't feel like it's going to be one of those games where you're just sitting reading paragraph after paragraph and just be like, I'm bored. Like I'm just reading all the time. Like it's still very snappy. Yeah. I kind of, um, I, I love this. I love disco Elysium. I, I, I love that game, but I remember playing that game and kind of feeling like, okay, there's just like a lot of reading and sometimes it's not intuitive reading. It's just kind of verbose reading. And it sounds like this is not like that, which is good good to hear no like i said it's it's got a really good pace to it it's like it's a game weirdly that like it's i ended up playing it's not very long like i think i beat it in like six hours um but i like kept ended up like doing like playing it in 30 minute chunks it felt like because it just kind of had like sort of a flow to it like that um so yeah it's like but it's got like a good a good groove to it i would say that's awesome I will also say, like, it's, like, it's one of those games, like, it's, if, if you, you know, if people that are listening haven't seen it, like, if you look up, like, a trailer or whatever, like, it's all, like, pixel art and very, like, you know, it's very, like, yeah strung down, like, it's very, it's not, like, minimalist, you know, but it's, like, it's kind of bare bones enough to where I was really, like, it really made me appreciate, like, how because so like not to go on a whole tangent of like triple a games today you know or anything like that but like i was saying i don't play a lot of games today for the most part of like most of the big huge games just don't really appeal to me very much anymore but this was a good like reference of like because of the small size it is and because like it's it's all text it's no there's no um voiceover like there's no voice acting it's just like it has the like rare like banjo kazooie like little like (laughs) for like the the voice acting um but because it's basically like a game that is just like the pixel art the text and the music and like the sound effects like they're able to like so specifically like fine-tune everything like we're gonna make sure this this sound effect plays like right here you know this score comes up right at this little moment and it's like it's all really well done and it has that attention to detail that i really appreciate and really like really makes moments stick out and sit with me. Like, it's a game that is, I beat, like, 10 days ago, maybe almost two weeks, and it has really set with me well since then, and there's tons of moments that I will, I think, will remember for a really long time because there's, like I said, there's just that, they're able to really fine-tune all the little aspects because there's just, there's not, it's not a giant map where you have to, like, you know make 80 trees in this one space so all the trees have to somewhat look the same you know it's just such the complete opposite end of the spectrum of where like the bigger video game industry is and i love it for that Hmm. you know i actually first heard of this game seeing that tribeca showcase i think last year because that that was featured heavily and i think it won an award there so when people were talking about this game i was like i've never heard of this game like oh no it's that game from tribeca so i yeah, I don't know. It looks so cool. Yeah, I highly, highly... Obviously, if you can't tell already, I highly recommend uh, for me. is a great video game. I bought it. It's, yeah, I, I went to the Steam page, and I was just, like, loving the art style. And uh, very nostalgic for me. I don't know. It looks like those old 90s graphic adventures. 
Uh, yeah, the art is great. I think I was um, I was listening to an interview that one of the devs did on Waypoint, and uh, he was saying like they, which makes sense. Like the himself and the, one of the other artists like were are like have experience with like oil painting, mm-hmm. and you can like you can look at the pixel art and you can really feel it. Like it's a lot of like I would say it's like New Orleans, and like the whole game takes place in a city either like night or dust so it's a lot of a lot of really good oranges and reds and everything and you can you can almost kind of see how the oil painting version of all these scenes would look like yeah yeah no that's all that's amazing it looks so cool i'm downloading it right now hopefully that doesn't screw up my <laughs> the discord connection no. uh but yeah that looks amazing I, i'm very excited to try this game you heard about this on waypoint or how did you? Yeah, I think I've I've heard I heard about it on Waypoint and Nextlander. Both uh, those are really the two main video game podcasts I still listen to. So I don't remember where it, where I heard about it first, but they it kind of just kept coming up week after week. I feel like, hmm. and then I was and it was it was on Game Pass, and I still have. Oh, it's Game on Game Pass. Pass? Yeah, so I didn't even need to buy uh, it. So I, <laughs> I feel good about. You got that Steam it. refund. <laughs> you haven't you haven't put two hours. That's into it true. Yet, that's so, true. But. Honestly, yeah, it is one of those games I was almost like, I feel like I need to go back and like buy it on Steam just to give them the money for it. Like, that's how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also, it's awesome. cool, Drew, that you're a fellow uh, Nextlander podcast listener. I just started listening to those guys recently because um, I love th- them on Giant Bomb. And I think I might like Nextlander more than the current Giant Bomb at this point. Uh, oh, Nextlander is way better than current Giant Bomb. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I have not. I have the same in all in all aspects. Yeah, same. I mean, next lighters do it. One of my favorite things uh, that at, towards the tail end of Giant Bomb was when uh, Alex and Vinny were playing through Mass Effect, and they are picking up. They're playing through Andromeda finally now on uh, at Next Lander, and it's it, it's Andromeda is a bad video game, but it's a good right. video series. Mm. I also just love Alex Navarro. I love the energy he brings. And a fun fact about him, he mentioned this on two podcasts ago, but he wrote the review on IGN for the uh, Nicolas Cage movie that just came out. So he, really? I think it was his first IGN movie review, and it's live on the website right now. Fun fact. He used to do movie reviews for, I forget, I think it was called Screened, the YouTube channel, like, I guess also a website, like like he's kind of got a history in that. That's yeah, because he like uh, screened in Giant Bomb used to be owned by the same parent mm. company, so it's like okay. I think they all knew each other from GameSpot, but when they all kind of left GameSpot, like he had a very I remember he had a very circuitous path to get back to Giant Bomb. And was actually at screened at one point before uh, before Giant Bomb. <laughs> One small uh, Giant Bomb rant, because uh, I've been listening to... I go between Giant Bomb and Nextlander and a couple other podcasts. Nextlander is so nice, because usually the podcasts are like an hour and a half, an hour, 45 minutes, and it's like so well-paced beginning to end. And then you listen to like Giant Bomb, and it feels so unorganized all the time. And I know that's like part of what it's about, but I've found myself shifting to Nextlander, because it's just... Vinny does such a good job and just organizing that thing. It fe- it's just so well paced beginning to end. And I just, I don't know. I- I'm loving Nextlander. I'm loving what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Vinny and Alex have always been like, not to get into giant bomb discourse. Like, Who's your favorite <laughs> right. too? Don't you like, but yeah, you know, Vinny and Alex have always been, I think like Vinny has the might like, I think my favorite 30 seconds of like video game play, like playthrough footage on the internet still of like, mm-hmm. 
if you've seen it uh, of like where they're play he's playing through Dark Souls one and it's the part part in Tomb of the Giants where he gets kicked off the ledge by the skeleton. <laughs> it is like I can watch that over and over and like laugh out loud every time. It's like the funniest thirty seconds of video to me on the internet. I literally just finished playing Dark Souls for the first time like last week. And I know exactly what part he's talking about, so I should go back and watch that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, it's like I think it's on like one of their like best of. Like it's like the first thing in one of their like really old like best of Giant Bomb videos that I, I assume are still all on YouTube. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But but what a segue, Warren. Wh- what did like, I do? Uh, uh, you you actually made the topic of the week. For Drew to defend his FromSoft ranking, <laughs> Drew, you, you've been you've been put in the hot seat. I'm sorry, <laughs> Oren did this to you. Don't blame me. But he thinks that it's so important that you defend your uh, your FromSoft ranking that we're gonna have to talk about it. Um, are you are you all right? I mean, to that? I don't. Do I have to def- like? I don't. You don't have to defend. You don't have to defend. That it. Obviously, no, 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 no. right, right. <laughs> no, no, I, I like, just thought I mean, it was interesting. I thought your <laughs> your ranking was one amazing and singular, and it's worth talking about. That's what I'll say. Yeah. We're giving you props. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, I, I my souls rankings are very good. Thank you. Um, and uh, end of defense. Uh, please well, come. Well, I'm gonna read it off. I'm I guess read I should. For All right, yeah. Let's let's, say, let's read it. Um, read let it. me uh, pull up the tweet really quickly. I'm. By the way, I'm also pulling up the tweet because I'm like, mm, I think I remember what my it's, story it's, ranking was, but let me make sure. I'm I looking at it now, and it's was. like almost identical to mine, except two games which would switch spots. But uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it off. We'll okay, it. I'm gonna go from bottom yeah. to top. Number seven, Dark Souls two. Number six, Elden Ring. Number five. <laughs> number five, Demon Souls. Number four, Bloodborne. Number three, Dark Souls 3. And tied for first place as a 1A and 1B, we got Dark Souls and Sekiro. Um, So uh, I I just... Is that a tie? I'm not reading it as a tie. I'm reading it as like, it's like an almost tie, but like really... I'm reading it as Dark Souls first. Am I reading that wrong? It's, I mean, it's, it's, here's the real thing is that like Sekiro is almost hard to put on the list because it's different enough. Like it's obviously has a lot of the same DNA as the rest of those games that you can like, they share comparable elements, but it's also different enough that it's almost really hard to put it in comparison to those games overall. So it's like, I really, really love Sekiro, but it's almost like it's almost just in a category all on, all on its own. And if I had to choose between just one, I guess I would maybe choose Dark Souls, but it's very close. It's very close, yeah. I will say it's just kind of, your list goes to show that no one can agree on what the best uh, FromSoft games are, because I literally just talked to a friend of mine who was like, oh, Sekiro's the worst FromSoft game. It has the, like, the, the way you play Sekiro, like, there's no variety to how you play that th- game. There's one way to defeat every boss. <laughs> so, so it goes to show that everyone has a different I, take on, like, what the best FromSoft game is. Well, what was their best FromSoft game, then? This this mythical person. Oh, the this mythical person. He's, a, he's my brother's friend. His favorite one's Bloodborne. But anyway... I see. I feel like that's uh, he's wrong. He's just wrong because Sekiro is obviously the natural evolution of Bloodborne, right? Well, I think he kind of saw it as like a funnel. Like Bloodborne had different ways to play it, and then Sekiro mm-hmm. funnels it into one way to play it. 
and uh yeah see i I think that's the one the thing it actually reveals is how there are the different kinds of players of these games really because yeah there's like the type of player who loves these games who plays them new game plus like plus seven or whatever and does a different build every time and loves the like the different approaches you can do it and the openness to it versus i'm someone who like i play the same way every time on all these games no like i play with some version of a halberd or like in bloodborne the hunter's ass something that is somewhat slower in but hits hard but has like i can play the range on it like it's the Mm. combat in the souls to me is all about that i enjoy about it for me is all about the spacing of like being able to in a split second almost like sight read it for lack of a better term of like i'm okay i'm the right space where i am i'm not going to get hit but if i do like a jumping like lunging r2 attack i can hit them and still get away like doing that mental math is like the thing i like about it and like i want to i want to make these games like i'm trying to play these games in a way and make them fit into that mold um versus you know someone who like which is why i'd never play magic in any of these games i have like i'm not going to be one of these like souls purists of like if you use magic you're cheese and you're not you're not you did you you did what was the like the whole difficulty discourse of like you cheated yourself and you cheated the game (laughs) like I'm not that type of person. Like, if you want to play with magic and you enjoy it, like, by all means, more power to you. I just don't do it because it, it just would not be fun for me. Like, honestly, like I would not, I would not get anywhere near the amount of enjoyment out of the game if I was just be able to stand back and like cast a magic spell. As cool as they may, they admittedly as cool as they a lot of them do look on the screen. Um, I will say mm. I do love Sekiro because because it's there's one way to play it and every boss is kind of like an exam so i'm on your side when i see it at 1b i think it's a i don't know if i'd put it like number one but i do love that game and i know aaron does too Hmm. it like it's it's like almost kind of like broke me of like it's the combat is so good in that of like it's like almost then going back to Elden Ring was like hard of like like I was like I'm still enjoying it but it's not Sekiro good like totally totally I and like especially the boss fights in Elden Ring like there's none of them that like stick with me that I like like when I played Dark Souls 3 there was like multiple bosses of like the the Abyss Watchers and Pontiff Sullivan like I would go like summon into other people's games just to replay them right and Sekiro has like some like I could play the Genichiro fight like right now and like get I'd be jacked up. Like I lo- I love that fight so much and there's like nothing close to that for me in Elden Ring. Um but I think it's part of like part of it, it like it can't be because the like the the parry and the like the posture system in Sekiro like once you like you lock into it it's so good like it's that's that and that's really where to me it's a completely different game Mm -hmm. because like i had like my roommate is also big into the souls game and they they've never gotten very far in sekiro they've played tried a couple times and over the summer i was replaying it and they were they were playing for the first you know trying to do their first real run at the same time we were going back and forth and they just they they couldn't really reconfigure their you know their brain the right way to like they were still trying to play it like Dark Souls right. and like you can you can to a certain point, but that's kind of where like the Genichiro fight is like the fight at right. like you get to that at a certain point. It's just like, okay, you are st- you are stuck right here. You are not going any further until you figure out how to play this game the exact way they want you to be to play it. And again, which is why I understand is fair, like why some people that are like 
it's usually the people that really like the openness of the like builds and souls games don't like Sekiro because it's just the one way. It just luckily enough for me, the one way I want you to play it, I really enjoy. I I think that's oh, yeah. fair. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so here's what I have to ask because your list, like we've Orin and I have, have for some reason given our FromSoft rankings multiple times in the last month or so <laughs> on this podcast. I was like listening, I'm like, wait, did we do this twice? Uh but I agree. Dark Souls, number one, or, you know, Dark Souls Sekiro could kind of trade places any day for me. Dark Souls 3, I, I, I'm I, wondering where, like, tell me about this this Elden Ring to Dark Souls 3 ranking. Like, what did you feel about Elden Ring, I guess, ultimately? So, like, okay, so this is, my feelings in Elden Ring are kind of one of those conversations that could be as long or as short as you want it to be, mm-hmm. you know, like... It's it's basically especially if you look at like Dark Souls is number one for me like the like kind of tried and true formula of Souls of like kind of if you look at it obviously I know there's like stuff you could trace back all the way to Kingsfield and stuff like that but the, for the large part the like Souls formula starts with Demon Souls and then kind of is codified with Dark Souls one and that's like kind of the core of like what I really like about those games. And basically the changes that Elden Ring made, all the changes from the typical formula are all changes I did not like at all. Mm. Um, and so in a weird way, like, I find it weird that it's even weird comparing, like, Dark Souls 3 to Elden Ring specifically. Because I remember um, when Dark Souls 3 came out, like, the big complaint, because there had been, like, like the space between Dark Souls 1, 2, Bloodborne, and 3 was, like, five years, five six years, years I yeah. think. Like, and by that, yeah, by that time, um, like people were just like, I don't know, Dark Souls Three is kind of just more Dark Souls. I think I'm kind of burnt out on this. Versus for me, like Dark Souls Three has so many like, it really does feel like the end of the trilogy. Like there's so many callback moments and like lore things of like, I won't go into specifics, but there's one boss fight where like I like. I had got to the area and got to like the arena door and was like, I know who this boss is. And like for lore reasons, I'm mad about it. Mm. Like, um, so dark souls three has so many, and also like, like dark souls two is at the bottom of my list. I should also say, I guess I, I like all of these games to a certain like extent, you know, I don't think any of these are bad games. Uh, dark souls two is only at the bottom of the list, mostly because like, I don't really have any of the usual complaints of like, oh, the level design, it's all flat and you know, you just, it doesn't have any of the going back on its, in on itself, like Dark Souls 1. I'm fine with all that. Uh, it's more of just like, I just don't like the way the character controls in that game. Mm. That's really the biggest thing for me and why like, I, why I like Dark Souls 3 so much is because it returned to the character controlling the way it did almost, you know, a little tuned up, but mostly identical to like Dark Souls One again, and and Bloodborne and Elden Ring. You know, these all games, especially compared to Dark Souls Two, compare pretty comparably and like feel a lot better to just actually physically play the video game. Mm. It's 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 really interesting talking to you, Drew, about all this because I kind of come to from soft games with this mindset of uh, like like the ones that exercise my imagination the most in terms of the lore and the story and how how it's authored and how I'm kind of allowed to fill in the gaps in terms of what's happening in the universe. And for me, the two that really did that the most for me were Bloodborne and Elden Ring. Uh, I just really loved 
the storytelling in those two games in particular, though having recently come off of Dark Souls, uh, I, Dark Souls I've been thinking about a lot as well, and I, I love how the stories are being told and the, the story is being told in that game. I will say I'm going to push back a little bit on Dark Souls 3, and I'm going to say maybe if I played it again, I would like it more because I played it before Dark Souls, so maybe I would have a different context for it. But uh, uh, I remember playing Dark Souls 3 and not having the same feeling of that. Like it didn't like it didn't quite do the same for me that the other three games did. But then again, I played it in the wrong order, so maybe I have to play it again. But I will say I did watch uh, off of Aaron's recommendation. I watched that Noah Caldwell Gervais video. Is that his name? <laughs> is, that, is that the YouTuber's name? I think it's Gervais. Gervais. But yeah, yeah, you said Yeah, it. he did this five-hour vid- long video essay. And I watched it beginning to end based on Aaron's recommendation. And he actually echoed a lot of my complaints that Dark Souls 3 has like this greatest hits feel that doesn't feel as authored as the other games. So I didn't, and I felt that. So I wonder if I went back to it, if I would feel differently about it, or if I would still feel like, oh, this just isn't as interesting as the first Dark Souls or or Bloodborne or even Elden Ring. But um, that's where I'm coming from. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, you're not, oh, like, there's definitely a, a lot of people I've seen that say, like, Dark Souls 3 is a greatest hits. To, to some people, it's a greatest hits. To me, it's a conclusion. For sure. Uh, you know, and, like, I think that's the big difference in feeling that way. I like, And so that's, like, weirdly where, like, Elden Ring to me felt like that's where I weirdly got my point where I was, like, oh, this just feels like more Dark Souls. Like, hmm. the thing I that we'll never know, obviously, but I keep wondering about is, like, if, like, Sekiro just broke me finally. Because I had kind of going, like, like going into Elden Ring, I had assumed, like this, like, this is basically going back to my how, like, I don't really play a whole lot of big video games anymore. Like, Elden Ring was, like, my last, like, bastion of, like, I will pre-order this game because it's a FromSoft game and I love all these. Like, this is the one thing that I'm still, like, even if I don't like it, I'll be interested to know why I don't like it right um and i like went in like not knowing like i remember i started with like a samurai because i was like you know i didn't i wasn't purposely keeping myself like completely like spoiler free or whatever like avoiding all trailers and whatnot but i just just because i'm not quite as plugged in i didn't really know i didn't fully know what to expect going in like i didn't know how much it was going to be like dark souls right because you know like with how bloodborne had kind of gone off the beaten path and Sekiro had even more kind of changed the formula I was like what you know this is open world now I don't like this might be really different and then I I quickly learned like oh no this is extremely Dark Souls Mm -hmm. Um, and like so I then I kind of got my like I was just kind of starting to feel like oh this is just more Dark Souls but I do wonder because a lot of my like a lot of my frustrations with the game are just like the open world does nothing for me sure. really. So I, I keep wondering if it had been like literally Dark Souls 4 and they had done it in more just like like I don't think I would have enjoyed it quite as much because although there there is one area that is like the the legacy dungeons I think for lack of a better term people are calling them you know that are kind of the more self-contained area. There is one of those that I really really enjoyed um, but like even if you strung if you strung all those together and just kind of connected them a little bit more in a way that made it a traditional Dark Souls game, I I do wonder if I would have liked it more or if I truly am just at that like I'm kind of burnt out on souls um, hmm. and it doesn't really matter the open world or not doesn't matter I'm just kind of like I'm wanting more 
more evolution like Sekiro. Uh, I think that's fair. Uh, you, you beat Elden Ring, right? Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I think uh, I think that's totally fair. Uh, I actually had that problem with Demon Souls recently. Um, I tried to. Um, in all fairness, I try. I played Returnal, the PS5 game, and I thought like the movement in that game was fucking amazing. And then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna play Demon Souls now, and I- that's what happened. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you go from moving at like literally Doom one speed to Demon Souls <laughs> clunk clunk clunk. Yeah, I should try Demon Souls again. I've been. Uh, I will say, Aaron has been trying to get me to play Dark Souls forever. And I kept saying, ah, I, I hate this movement. It's garbage. I hate it. And I still feel the same way about the movement. However, it does so many, many other things right that I got past it eventually. Um, but anyway, uh, Aaron, Aaron, what do you think? What, what What's your thoughts on, on all of this? Well, okay. On the Sekiro thing, I had exactly the experience of playing Sekiro up to Jinichiro and then sitting on the game for a year and not touching it, and then coming back to it and playing the whole thing from beginning to end and being like, oh my god, this this gave me all of the feelings that I had the first time I played Dark Souls, which none of the successive Dark Souls games have, have accomplished. That sort of feeling of dread and massive accomplishment, like the bosses were, felt insurmountable in a way. Like I, when I got to, you know, Jinichiro, I was just like, how am I possibly going to win this fight? And then I, I could do it, whereas by the time I got to Dark Souls 2 or 3, I was like, I know what to do. Worst case scenario, to summon someone, you know, like I, I can always just cheat, right? Like there's always, I can always beat this boss. I never felt like stuck and I never felt, I didn't quit. I did not feel the same level of accomplishment. So I do feel that that is missing from Elden Ring pretty strongly. And it, and it, and it, and it strikes me a lot in this boss battles. I've been saying this every time we talk about this game, but for me, the open world adds a lot in that it gives the game a completely different flow. Instead of feeling like you're kind of grinding to the next bonfire, you're kind of like, I can go anywhere I want. In a lot of ways, like Elden Ring is giving me the feelings I had playing uh, Skyrim, you know, 12 years ago, 11 years ago. And that kind of sense of exploration and looking in, in the new world, like when I first was playing it, I felt like, oh, it's not that different from the Metroidvania design. But as I've played it now, you know, 100 hours or so, I do think that the open world adds a lot and changes the general flow of a FromSoft game where instead of, like, getting stuck at these hard spots where you got to move past, you can always go another direction. You can always go somewhere else. You can always just do a completely different thing. And it, it changes the game in a pretty meaningful way for me. Yeah, I, w- I wanted to, like, add to that really quickly. I think... I think that's what why I love Elden Ring so much is the it's the sense of discovery in that game is what makes it one of my top three for me. It's just the only other game I can think of where I was like, holy shit, what the fuck is this? Like the only other game I can think of that has given me that was The Outer Wilds, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only other game I can think of where I would discover something crazy and be like, what the fuck is this? And like, or like, mm. I do something cool or discover something cool. Uh, I think in the combat department, Elden Ring is very dependent on summons and very all over the place. And it's been well documented, and I totally agree. But when it comes to just the feeling of discovery in that game, that is what's really uh, blowing me away about it, Com- coming from my side. 
Yeah. Okay, can I ask a quick question? Uh, like, comparing this, because this is, like, my biggest point of contention of just, like, I don't, I don't even know what to make of it about talking about the, the open world in Elden Ring and not even just comparing it to other Dark Souls games, but it's comparing it to just open world games in general. Like, the way I've been trying to like phrase it is like every, most of the people, like everyone, almost everyone that I've talked to and like listened to on podcasts and just my friends and whatever say this, the open world to them is so much different and better than the average, you know, AAA open world game, Ubisoft, Horizon, any, any of those kind of games. And to me, it's just like, it's not any different really. Like it's like, to me, it's like, it's like if you get one of those paint swatches, you know, from like Home Depot or whatever, like they're trying to paint your house and has like the grading of like at the top is like the really bold color and gets slightly lighter and lighter and lighter as it goes down. To me, it's like, I don't disagree that there's like some differences to the way Elden Ring does its open world, but it's like, it's like two shades lighter to me versus everyone else seems to see the differences between like green and red. And I just like, I don't even know what to make about it because it just... I don't, it just kind of feels like all the other open world games I've played, which I've, I will say for as much as I said, I've said a couple times, I don't play many, I don't play a lot of AAA games now. I used to, like, I played at, like every Assassin's Creed game up through like Black Flag, played the first Horizon, played the new God of War, played Mass Effect Andromeda, played, you know, Skyrim, Witcher 3. Like I've, I have played a lot of open world games and this just doesn't really feel that different to me but like clearly yeah almost everyone else i talk to feels very differently about it let me let me say what i think about that because i i think that like structurally in terms of the shape of the world it's not super different and even in the way that they probably went about like thinking about quest designs and like objectives but the key difference is that the loop in a game like a like a ubisoft game is that the game tells you to do something shows you where to do it you go do it you get a reward the loop in Elden Ring is you just move in whatever direction you want. You find something that intrigues you, you investigate it, and then you get a reward. But the game never tells you to do it without, you know, except for in very subtle ways. Like, and the key difference is just is feeling like every time you discover something, at least for me and I think for a lot of people, it's like you discovered it, even though obviously the game designers led you there by, you know, by your nose. <clears throat> I think that so like that does make sense. And I guess the other I the in my long list of open world games that I forgot to mention that I think is uh, the biggest comparison point people make is Breath of the Wild, which is uh, I guess hot take alert another a game that I don't really like at all. Um, mm. And I think for kind of similar reasons of like I think what you touched on there is the reward aspect that people feel like they're they're really getting rewarded for their exploration. And like to me, it's just like oh another like magic spell I'm never gonna use like or like. You know, there's just the rewards to me are never like meaningful in any way that like make me feel like it's actually reward. It's just like another thing that they place there. I kind of I kind of see what you mean, but like at the same time, um, like for example, remember, have you played Selin's Quest, Ramen, uh, Aaron? Who the fuck is Ramen? What do you? What you... Oh, I'm sorry. That's the name <laughs> of your Discord, Ramen, Raymond. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, have, have I I just, is that a question? Did I just dox you? No, did I, I just dox you? You dox me. <laughs> People are going to show up at my house and give me ramen. Uh, is oh, that no. a question, Elden Ring? Yeah, Selen. Oh, I 
don't know. Uh, I, I, I think I've missed many of the major quests in Elden Ring because they're so well off you skate. Well, like, but, yeah. I don't know. It's just the, the thing, the, the big thing for me is that when I play, for example, Far Cry 6 or I play even The Witcher 3 to be kind of controversial is that in, in The Witcher 3, um, a lot of the content in those games is, are blocked behind quests like you have to activate a quest to see the thing you want to see um like the uh those like tree spirit monsters that are so famous in that game like you can't like you can find them but like to really get like the meat of what that game's doing you have to activate the quest um in elden ring like one you can just find them like you don't have to like do some weird quest shit to like figure it out and the game doesn't handhold you like you're just kind of trusted to figure it out and discover what you need to discover and to progress the way that you need to progress and i think that makes a huge difference because the feeling of discovery is so much better when you figure it out um like it's personal like that's the thing right and it's like when i play like horizon like i do not like horizon zero dawn i've said that many times on the channel every like i played through it and i did not like it and it was because I felt like the game was just kind of tugging me along, like the narrative, like, okay, come to this quest, do this quest, okay, uh, do this dialogue, talk to this person, okay, now you can fight the cool monster, but you have to, like, get to this quest before you do it, and it's like, oh, God, just, like, stop tugging me by the arm, let me do it, and uh, Elden Ring, that's what I love about Elden Ring, is you could just kind of, you could just be trusted to figure it out, and I don't know, that... I see where you're coming from, Drew, but that's kind of what, why it resonated with me so much. Um. No, yeah, I mean, like I'm clearly in the minority uh, on this, so I'm fa- that's fair. Um, but yeah, I I feel like uh, I don't know. I feel like that's interesting because it's like opposite problems um, of like. I, because I also don't like Horizon or most big open world games. And I like for the same reason of, like you said, of like, uh, it's just, it's weird. It's a weird way to try and tell a story, you know, of like, you know, it's like you, it's like read, it's like if you, we're in a park and you pick up like a page of a book and then you read that one page and then you have to go to this other part in the park to read like the second page of the book. Um, like it's just not a very good way to tell a story. But then on the flip side, you know, like, I I do like a highly authored experience. Um, I just don't like I don't like the particular way a lot of open world games deliver that highly authored experience. But then also with Elden Ring, they it's more cohesive in that it doesn't have that same problem. But also it loses some of the very uh, strictly authored nature of it that I also would like to have as well. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, I think it's so great that you ranked uh, Sekiro so high because, like, by comparison, Sekiro feels like such a tightly, like everything is so well balanced and the level design is so well considered. Oh, yeah. And Elden Ring just feels a little bit more like rickety in that sense. Like a lot of, I've been seeing all over Twitter and talking to my friends. A lot of people just hate the balancing of like anything fire giant onward. Like, every boss starting with the fire giant onward is just, like, it's kind of fair game in terms of how it's balanced. And uh, it sounds like they still haven't figured it out. Like, I, every single day, like, I see online, like, millennia is way harder 
millennia is way easier. Millennia is way harder. So it's like even they just I, don't know. I what's literally going on. had to <laughs> I had to look up to see if like um so like I got like I got all the way almost to like the very end of like doing everything I wanted to do in the game. Um and then like took a break for for like two weeks because um my roommate, like I said, they really like these games and I was basically they they are really they really enjoyed Elden Ring as well. They've completely beat it by now and loved the experience like most people seem to have. And they were having such a good time. It's like, you know what, you can... Because they were just using my disc uh, to, to play it off of. And I was like, you can keep playing. I'm, I'm good. I can wait to finish off the game. So I had to come back after like two weeks. And I like literally uh, one-shot uh, Melania after only like trying that fight like a couple times. It's like, did they, did they like nerf her or something? <laughs> and like couldn't find anything of like it was like it was like inconclusive some people were like oh yeah they definitely did like no no i looked at like it do- not at all so that, yeah like continually the <laughs> is x boss nerfed or buffed is i think going to be a continual discussion till the end of time i hope they i hope hmm. miyazaki and his team they don't just like constantly bow to the whims of people because i think the nerfing can be like really stupid and just let me tell you about dark souls 3 uh <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, that's a game where they they literally anything they were nerf crazy in that game. Not so much with the bosses, but like with PvP builds and stuff. They would like if something was good, you could rely that in like two months it would be worthless. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I um, I have a, I played Elden Ring like a little bit in the past week just to help people beat some of the final bosses. And uh, mm. I haven't noticed anything too drastic, but I will say that uh, there there are moments in some of those final boss fights, and I mentioned this on last pot the last podcast, where like I would just be like, "How did I get hit? Like the 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 attack literally did not land. How did I get hit? It's like the AOE attacks are just like not totally clear on some of those final bosses, but um, hopefully they fix it. I just I feel like that's right. Souls though. That's like every Souls game ever. Like at the same time, so like I, I'm like, yeah, that's that sounds. Yeah, right. I mean, I just recently played through Dark Souls uh, one, and uh, Ornstein and Smo. There were just like times where I would just be like, how did that? How did that hit me? Like, so, but Oren, yeah. try that at Soul level one. That's the. Uh, that's that's what makes that fight like. Like it's basically like Sekiro at that point. Like you just can't fuck up. Yeah, but even like that uh that thrust attack with Ornstein, like sometimes like the tip of his spear wouldn't actually kill me. It would mm. be the air that emanates from the spear, the force of the spear that killed me. Like what the fuck, man? Chill. <sighs> Fucking from It's also bad because like, a lot of a lot more bosses than Elden Ring, I feel like, than usual have like big AoE attacks. Like it's I feel like every major boss that isn't like a repeated boss has like some like multiple gigantic aoe attacks they have like a slow yeah. sweep that will hit you from 50 feet away they have a crazy ground pound aoe that does like ripple damage yeah um, like everyone has a stomp now everyone's yeah. stomp crazy I, I, it's a little i annoying. think they made the game to summons dependent like i think they made the game being like most people are going to use summons you know and I right. like that. Div- That's your difficulty slider. Like it's cool, but it's also like kind of annoying. Where where it's like they clearly kind of use that as a crutch. Like, oh yeah, people are going to use 
let's just have two crucible knights here because who gives a fuck like they're gonna use summons <laughs> where do you fight two i think i don't i don't know if this is still the strat but I, I, for the while i was like the mimic tier like basically just breaks the game if you use that it does um the only uh boss fight hmm. that it i would say it doesn't break the game is millennia for obvious reasons with how like what with her attack buff and stuff but yeah for a lot well weirdly that's like that was the thing i changed when i came back of like i didn't actually know until afterwards but i was just like i was like "Mm, let me go ahead and just like i have all the stuff to to upgrade up to level 10 i was like it like i had only used it like once at like no upgrades and i was like oh whatever let's let's try this because i had tried before i took my little break of like I had like one night of, uh, you know, I've tried like tried millennia once by myself and then tried summoning and like it did, it did not go well still. I was like, okay, well we'll try this another time. And so then I was like, well, what if I tried the, like the mimic tier? Um, and because then I assume, I don't know this to be true, but I assume the bosses don't get the same buff that they do when you do a, a like co-op actual co-op summon. Um, so, but yeah, I just like summoned like my mimic tier and just like, we just like, I feel like I could have just sat in a corner and let my mimic tier kill her. Honestly. honestly. Yeah. I I was having problems because I think I eventually beat millennia without the mimic tear. Cause what would happen is she would just go buck wild on my mimic tier and she would just get all of her health back (laughs) because my mimic tier would just get destroyed. (laughs) So, um, Well, see, I think it's it might be like also like I think the thing that makes hard it hard talking about, especially later game Elden Ring is like as opposed to like I think the other ones is like it used to be like, oh, what level were you at? You know, it can kind of give you an idea of like how hard or easy time you're having. Elden Ring, it seems much more. It's just build dependent. It doesn't even have sure, to do with the yeah. level. It's very much build. So I had like a bleed weapon, which also meant like my mimics here had a bleed weapon and we were just staggering her. Like, like we just right. stun locked her in a corner, like especially that first phase. Like it was like she got like we were we finished that first phase in like 30 seconds. Sure. She got <laughs> nothing in uh, and even still second phase, like kind of just rocked her for sure. Yeah, I think I think I had problems with her just because my um, even though like I had um, a very offensive build like my character's swing animation wasn't strong enough to like really do anything to her so like i like he just ended up being you know like stun locked by her and she would just get all her health back but for like almost every other like late game boss it, the mimic tear would be really helpful because like the fire giant for example uh i've heard people having a really hard time with that boss um dude i beat him my fucking second try i i I don't know. Do they nerf him? I don't know. I didn't have a hard time with him. Maybe it's because I was using the mimic tear, but uh, I don't know. I don't even have that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. I don't know. Uh, friend of the show, Mike Carlson, had a huge time, a huge problem with. Uh... So did my brother. Kevin had a huge. Kevin said that was like one of the hardest bosses he'd fought in, in all of the from like Uvra. I was like, what? Yeah, I don't know. I had like I had a hard time on the second. Like I got through the first phase easy, like super easily. But then the second phase, because that that boss is very dependent on like where you hit hit them, right? Like it like does different damage depending on where you hit them. And I just could not mm. figure out on the second phase where to. It felt like I was missing something. Like uh, like there's a secret spot I'm supposed to be hitting that would do better damage. And so I tried looking up like, oh, am I just missing something? <laughs> and literally, of everything everything I could ever find on the internet was how to just cheese it. 
And this, I finally, like, after like five pages of Google searches or whatever, where all of it is just telling me how to cheese, is like, I don't know, I guess I'm just going to cheese it. So that's, that's what I did. Hmm. I think for me... Yeah. It was like, I'll, I would play it normally if I could find, like, if someone would tell me the normal way I'm supposed to play this or just let me know that I'm not, like, you're just, it's just going to take you a while. Like, I would do it that way, but I was just like, hmm. Okay, well, I've tr- I tried. I gave it the old college try. I'm just now going to have you fall off this cliff. I think... Uh, oh, that's the well, thing? Interesting. I did, well, first of all, I didn't know about the falling off the cliff. Se- second of all, I think his like forearms are glowing, and that's where you're supposed to hit him. However, like every time I would go to swing at his forearms, he would like pull away right before my like <laughs> my blade would hit. So I hmm. I didn't have a, a really hard time with them. Like I think I still beat them in a reasonable amount of time, but I was still like annoyed. I was like, this fuck this boss is so stupid. Just let me hit you. Hmm. So but I just bled him to death. Like I didn't even hit him in his in his bracers or his wrists or whatever. I just got behind him. He 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 seemed pretty incapable of hitting me from wherever I was standing. That's how I was with Radon. Do the, like, the roll. With Radon I just hit. Oh Radon. Dude, I beat Radon my first try, he hit me once. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even heal. It was like what everybody's talking about this fight, but he was broken. I'm assuming they fixed that. Like, uh, yeah, I just I just hugged I his his butt the whole time. Yeah, but nothing he could do. I will say, um, yeah, I think the I think honestly the hardest boss in that game for me were the Crucible Knights. I just I, like every time I fought a Crucible Knight, I just hated it. I'm like, fuck these guys. But anyway, yeah, the ones with the shields are bitches. Yeah. That that's my hardest boss. Right. Every time I fought a shield crucible knight. <laughs> hmm. So. Elden Ring. Uh, Drew, good defense of your ranking. Yeah. Uh, I approve. Fuck Thank Tomb you. of the Giants, though. I, I just want to say that. <laughs> I mean, like we can say Dark Souls is the best FromSoft game, but we have to say, as an asterisk, fuck Tomb of the Giants. I mean, more than Lost Isolith, or at least the lead up to Lost Isolith, where you're just it's just flat running on lava. Like, I'll take Tomb of the Giants. Like, at least that's interesting. Mm. I will, but I, I maybe it's because I did like a strength build, but the ring that you get for killing that centipede made that a lot more bearable for me. However, yeah, it's not hard. It's just right. boring. However, doing that five minute trek up to the bed of chaos only to fuck that boss fight off and then yeah. having, to, and having to do that like yeah. 15, 20 times just to try to jump onto Oof. that fucking root. No, See, that's, this is my argument. That's a bad, bad part of the game. <laughs> that's, it, that, that is uh, like the most bed of chaos. imperfect, perfect mm-hmm. game. It's not perfect. Yeah, Bed of Chaos is maybe the worst boss fight in all the Souls game. I, I remember... <laughs> I was on uh, Jacob Geller's charity stream, and at like nice. four in the morning, he was at Bed of Chaos, and we're just like all, <laughs> just completely like like he's been going for like fourteen, fifteen hours or whatever at this point, and it's like on Bed of Chaos, and just like keeps like dying, and we're all just like I don't know, man, this boss fight sucks. <laughs> Please make it end. It's it's uh, uh. I, that was they were like I love Dark Souls, and I'm glad I finally played it. Um, there, there were definitely moments, though, especially in the second half of, the, of that game, where I'm like, "Is this, is this really the greatest game ever made? Like, really the greatest? <laughs> Let's be honest." Guys. But then, when you yeah, parry the it, but... last boss to death, right? Did you, did you parry 
Gwen, you can literally beat him with parries. I heard that. I did not do that. I think oh. I beat him because I would stagger him after three hits. So, like, I would do one, two, three, and I was able to, like, destroy him that way. But, um, yeah, for me, the hardest boss of the first Dark Souls, outside of Bed of Chaos being fucking annoying, was uh, Ornstein and Smo. Like, either, including the DLC boss bosses. I didn't think the DLC hmm. bosses were as hard as Ornstein and Smo for me. Um, but I beat him. Yeah. Artorias is... Artorias is just definitely more fun mm-hmm. than Orange yeah. Smo. It's like I think it's close in difficulty, but then like Artorias is just like that's like what I'm like that's a top five, maybe top three Souls game boss of all time for me. From yeah. every perspective, yeah, too, Artorias it's like great. it's a great fight, but also lore wise, it's really cool with uh, the Great Wolf and what what's actually happening in that scene. I, I love everything about Artorias. I loved the Manus fight too. Um, it's just you know my Achilles heel for FromSoft games are just the dual boss fights. I'm just so bad at focusing on two enemies at once. So. Oh, yeah. There's one in Elden Ring towards the back end. You probably everyone <laughs> yes. knows it if you you got there. It's just like oh my god. I that, that was the first time. I was like I'm just summoning. I'm not doing this. Like I, I'm not. I'm not doing like, this without spoiling. They're equally aggressive too. You. At least with Orenstein and Smog, it's just the... Uh, is it Smog or Smog? I don't know. Smog is probably it, right? Smog. Smog. Silent, oh, silent G. G. Si- silent G. Orenstein and Smog. One's faster and one's slower, and that's part of why it, yeah. like it's feasible. In that, it's very balanced. In that Elden Ring fight, they're like equally ferocious, which makes it... Hmm. <laughs> well, it's also there's like... I, I mean, I don't know. There's a mechanical thing about it, too, that I don't know if we consider a mechanical spoiler that specific, specifically makes that one, like, a real pain in the ass of just, like, you can be doing well, but you have to keep doing well for a long period of time. Mm. Uh, that is, that's that's really the attrition of is what really got me up of, like, mm, I know I'm not, I'm just summoning so I can get, I just want to be done with this fight. Kinda, I mean, we talked about this already, but, yeah, like, that kind of, I beat all of Dark Souls without summoning once. And I think that goes to show like what makes it brilliant, right? Is that it's feasible to beat all these bosses that way. But uh, there were times in Elden Ring where I'm like, I have to summon. Like, I, there's just no way. There's no way! <laughs> yeah, Elden Ring it was the first time where I also similarly... Like, not even of like a pride thing, or just like... I, I, again, sort of like similar to my not using magic. I just... I find the combat more enjoyable when it's one-on-one. And there's even still, I think there's certain uh, fights in Elden Ring where I would have to like not even summon my, like my NPC summons or like my uh, Ash spirits or whatever, because it actually got way easier when it's just Mm -hmm. one-on-one. But yeah, Elden Ring definitely was the first time where I had multiple instances where I got part of it was just like, again, it usually was more of just like, I'm just, I'm, I could bang my head against this wall. I played enough of these games. I know I can do it, but I don't want to. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that's... I mean, yeah, what what I can agree with you, Drew, is that the, the, the combat's not just not as good in Elden Ring and not as balanced, but it's all the other stuff that I love about Elden Ring that I love so much. But, yeah, I totally agree that balance-wise, it's just not all there, unfortunately. I want open world ninja game give it to me from soft 
like that's that's the game, right? Uh, maybe Drew wouldn't like it, but I, I would like that. I just want Sekiro too. That's all. No, I, I, yeah, I Sekiro want, two would be pretty fucking. I want good. Bloodborne too, but at the same time, I love the story of Bloodborne so much that I don't want it to be tainted. I just kind of want it to be just Bloodborne. Maybe what we just need is 60 FPS Bloodborne. That's what we really need. Um, so. uh, oh, well. Well, that's never going to happen. So uh, let's stop stop getting our hopes up, Warren. Uh, I do recommend following the Twitter account. Uh, Bloodborne is still not on PC. I think that's the name. I may be paraphrasing. Oh, but really? It's a, it's a Twitter account that says, Today is April 21st, 2022, and Bloodborne is still not out on PC. And they, it just does that every day. And I just, Dude, there's been these like milestones in like PC gaming. It's like, when is Half Life Episode Three gonna come out? When was Duke Nukem Forever gonna come out? When was a new Doom game gonna come out? And like, that is uh, that's that's one of those milestones that I think uh, eventually it's, we're gonna look back on and be like, ah, we got it. I don't know. Like, well, we have. Yeah, go ahead, Drew. Well, we, I mean, we got we've gotten a lot. Like, there's been a lot of games. Is like, they, you know, we're never getting Final Fantasy VII remake. We're never getting Kingdom Hearts three. We're never getting, you know, uh, Duke Nukem Forever. Like you said, there's there's we usually there's not a lot of games where we haven't eventually over a long enough period of time gotten right. So, you know, That's what I'm it saying. Might happen eventually. It will be like, oh, remember when we were waiting for that? Now we got everything. Every PlayStation game's on PC. It's gonna be. The, the future utopia that Warren was dreaming of in the beginning. Well, I remember for years being like, I really want Resident Evil 2 remake. Like, for years. And then I kind of forgot I wanted that. And then I gave up on it. And then, like, 1E3, they announce it. And I'm like, I forgot I wanted this so bad. And it ended up being amazing. <laughs> so I was very, I was very uh, pleased about that. So I have hope. I'm unfortunately I'm I'm a mother three person, mm. uh, which is like at this point like Earthbound is like like if I have to, I'm a I'm a bad favorite choose a favorite video game movie anything you know like it's I'm I'm very bad at choosing just one but if I like my for video games I'm always like if I have to choose one I would probably just go with Earthbound and like at this point like at first like you know for a long time it's just like I was not like when you know when I'm like 13 or whatever and have dial up internet, like I can't get a, you know, a, a ROM of this. And then eventually it just turned into, well, I just want Nintendo to officially do it. And then now it's just like, I mean, I could very easily just get a ROM in the fan sub, you know, or like translation for mother three and play it for myself. But now it's just like out of the principle of things like, God damn it. I'm waiting until Nintendo officially does it because I waited this long and I'm just going to keep doing it. It's out of spite now that I'm keeping this good video game that I would probably like away from myself. Mm. You see, yours is at least kind of feasible. Like I have the unrealistic, like I want like basically just a sequel to silent Hill two and three, which like Mm. really actually will never happen. So I don't know why I keep thinking I'll ever get that, but <laughs> I don't know. I keep thinking that Konami's eventually just gonna need to make some money and finally give someone the the rights to like Metal Gear and Silent Hill to someone. I just don't think you can. It has. To I don't happen. think you can recapture the magic of the original Silent Hill trilogy, though. Like, I mean, the closest we got to that obviously was PT, but it seems like even Kojima himself has moved on and mm. but yeah i don't know i need to start start and the other big one for me is uh which is funny because i don't even know if i want it anymore 
but a bit like a true sequel to banjo kazooie like i just don't like it's we that's what you've been pining for you see i've been pining for it for so long that i realize i don't really even want it anymore because i don't really play platformers yeah. anymore so that's like the tragedy of it right like you want for Did so you play long. ukulele yeah it was bad I couldn't finish it. Okay. Um, but yeah. I, I don't know. I was like, like, you start to pine for so long, and then you're like, oh, I really want Psychonauts 2. And then you play Psychonauts 2, and you're like, huh, I don't like platformers anymore. I don't know why I thought I wanted this. But anyway. Mm. <laughs> I remember where I was when I first saw the first little teaser for Beyond Good and Evil 2 and being like, all right. And that was um, 12 <laughs> years ago? Yeah. 13 years ago? And yeah, I well, one I don't know if that game's I've ever actually coming out, and like I don't, the chances I'll actually like it pretty low at this point. Mm. Well, that guy, what was his name, uh, Michelle something? Yeah, Michelle Michelle. Ansel. Yeah, he's it's not, not even at Ubisoft not, anymore, you, which is like so tragic too, because mm. he was like when he was showing it on stage, he was like he had tears in his eyes. It meant so much to him, and now he's not even a part of the project anymore. So it's like okay, well. So much for that. Yeah, I mean, I had big, I had big like Peter Molyneux energy of like, this is gonna be amazing, and then it's like in actuality, this is gonna be nothing like what you are selling right now. Yeah. Yeah. And what? Reality has a hit home at some point, and it's gonna come crashing down. Yeah. So sometimes it, I feel like I just kind of like. At what point are you? Like with Rareware, for example, I get very nostalgic for the old days of Rareware, but at the same time, the Rareware of today isn't anything like the Rareware of the 90s, so I feel like it's just kind of pointless for me to... I wonder if there's like even one person who works there that like worked on GoldenEye, yeah. right? Or Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> like, I, I doubt there's even a single individual. I know. It's like, at what point are you just kind of like uh, hoping for something that, that that doesn't even exist anymore? It's just... Oh yeah, or even yeah, you know, Mass Effect and Bioware. The right. gap between those is even shorter, but it's still just like, I mean, there's no like, is there any lineage at all? But like, whoever's working on this new Mass Effect game that had anything to do with the original trilogy, I doubt it. Like, not in any sort of leadership role that was also in a leadership role back then. The importance of temporarying fanboy IP expectations, you know, like that's where I'm at. That's where we got to kill these. Uh extended universes sequels get rid of them every game's just one off uh i mean uh, Mia, miyazaki that. seems to understand that you know i think that's 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 how you rate the dark souls games the ones that are not sequels are in my opinion the best but uh but then i'm stirring up that pot again well, i don't know that i mean you could say that dark souls one is a sequel to demon souls but it's not it's a spiritual successor right in the same way that uh, Bloodborne is a spiritual successor to Demon Souls, and and Sekiro is a spiritual successor to the Ninja Gaiden game I never got, or the Tenchu game that you never got. Oh, the Tenchu <laughs> game! Oh my God, you're right. I just want to give a quick <sighs> shout out to uh, Final Fantasy Origin for be for releasing like a week or two after Elden Ring, and I still liked it. <laughs> Even yeah. though it's not a FromSoft game, it's just like you mentioned Ninja Gaiden. I just can't believe Team Ninja had the balls to release like a really seven out of ten energy Final Fantasy game, and it ended up being that good. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Uh, I think it's time to move on to Rex. You guys, you guys got your Rex ready to go? I think I do. I do. I see. Uh, I see some some color on the page. Orin, tell me, what do you got for us this week? Well, I already kind of said one of them, but uh, it's it's TV season. You know, it's the season of television. Uh, I've been watching Atlanta, which I really like. Uh, I'm also watching Better Call Saul, which premiered recently. Um, Barry is premiering this Sunday. Oh, Barry's this weekend? Yeah, Barry's this weekend. Oh, I'm going to fucking watch that. Yeah, so getting on the TV. I also started watching Severance based on Aaron's recommendation. And uh, it was funny because I watched the first couple episodes um like last weekend and i was really feeling the burnout from my job and i was and it was like the perfect thing to watch because it felt like that show was directly speaking to me you know yeah Um, yeah yeah. so yeah no i'm liking severance thanks for the recommendation Aaron. i'm definitely gonna finish it awesome um yeah but you see yeah that's my first personal rec like if you if you uh are all about breaking bad better call Saul is back which you probably know um, Atlanta is a great Donald Glover show. Uh, Barry is a great HBO show, and Severance is if you have Apple TV Plus and it, and you need a show to t- that's about uh, work life balance and all of that stuff. Um, I think that's some great stuff. Also, I saw in the theater the movie Everything Everywhere at Once, the new A twenty four movie by the Daniels, and I thought hmm. it was really good. Um, very fun. Very, very fun, very fun movie. movie. I, I, it's, it's been making the rounds. Uh, a lot of people love it. T- to me, it's kind of the perfect Wachowski's spiritual successor in a way. Like it feels like, kind of like in the same way that Paul Thomas Anderson makes Robert Altman movies. Now, like it kind of the Daniels kind of makes Wachowski sisters movies, but like for now hmm. in a way, like it kind of feels like they're continuing the lineage. Um, also, it has a fucking awesome Wong Kar Wai reference in it. Uh, if you're a fan of In the Mood for Love, uh, that is in the movie, and I thought it was amazing. Anyway, those are my personal recs for this week. Okay, I'm going to make this quick. My rec is that you cancel Netflix. It fucking sucks. It's turned into like the Bravo of streaming services. All they have are true crime nonsense. <laughs> so, oh, damn. I, I, I'm literally ranting, but I, I, I'm done with Netflix. I, I. It's just, you know, it was like the first service. I felt like Netflix would be a part of my life forever. Now I'm like, get rid of Netflix. Dump it, which apparently this is in the news. Lots of people are doing this. I can't believe you're breaking up with Netflix. Yeah, it's it's kind of a bitter breakup, honestly. Like, I'm going to take the kids. But before you break up with Netflix, before you dump it, watch our great national parks. It's just a nature show. (laughs) It's hosted by Barack Obama, and and he's he's good. It's hosted by Barack Obama? What? It's hosted by Barack Obama. And somehow he fits into like every episode. He's like, yeah, I, this is my beach that I grew up on. Like like every park. that. So it's about national parks around the world, not just in the United States. There's only five episodes. Um, one of them is is literally where I grew up. So that was kind of fun. Um, but, you know, it's it's pretty. It's in Dolby Vision. It's got colors and aerials and, you know, monkeys jumping around. You'll like it. And Barack Obama's, of course, charming. So watch that as your subscription lapses. And then and then. Go go to Apple Plus. Go somewhere else. I don't know. Make up your own mind. But like, fuck Netflix. I'm so they, they suck. They're, I'm so annoyed with Netflix. It's just like I'm a bit of an uh, HBO Max simp, so I recommend HBO yeah, Max. Yeah, I can see that. 
I, I, I did watch the Batman last night on that, and uh, you know, pretty, I'm pretty alright. Although the one thing about HBO Max that makes me kind of nuts is for like, Warner Brothers has tons of money. Why is not every show streaming in 4K with Dolby Vision? So many other shit, so much shit is just streaming in HD, and I'm like, as like a technology nerd, it, it irks me. Fair point. Uh, so, yeah, I'll. Uh, I guess I'm just bringing the rants this week. But uh, Drew, la- last but not yes. least, what 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 can you recommend uh, for us this week? Well, at first I thought since I'm like an anime person, I was like, oh, I should find some like good anime to recommend. But then I remembered. I guess I didn't mention up front. This is you all have the uh, privilege of giving me. This is the first time I've ever guested on a podcast wow. before. And I always told myself, uh, if I ever got any sort of platform, big or small, uh, because of how hard doing stuff on YouTube is, I need to remember to like give shout outs to other smaller YouTube channels. So I just want to do some like quick hit, a couple smaller, like smaller under, I think all of these are under like 1500 subs probably, um, but YouTube channels that I like. Um, so starting, I guess since this is, primarily a video game podcast we'll start with video games um the channel first five which has focuses mostly on uh as the name suggests either games that can be finished under five hours or giving you like kind of the review of a game the first five hours of the game it's basically supposed to be for people like you know like myself and a lot of other people that have busy schedules that can't be dumping you know like 150 hours into a game in like two weeks or whatever um so a lot of their content it's like it's more of like, you know, like myself and a lot of other people, I would consider we provide like our videos, our entertainment. I think First Five is like one of the few examples of like, it's literally they provide a service, um, you know, with what they do. And so a lot of their stuff is just reviews and kind of they do quarterly wrap ups of like a bunch of different games. But they do have some occasional like actual like video essays, uh, more so usually linked to their Patreon Um They'll do like videos about games that were important in their past. So uh, I guess uh, for each one of these, I want to give I'll give you like a recommendation of which video you should start with. And uh, for first five, I think I really like their video over uh, Descent called "The Violent in- uh, Intimacy of Descent Level Design," which is a really great um, does a great job of like meshing the personal with the analytical in a way that I really like. Um, next, another video game centric channel is called Static Canvas, and like this is one I think, I think he still has on less than a thousand subs, which is just criminal to me. Uh, uh, Static Canvas has like I think one of the most like poetic uh, writing on like about video games that still it's like it's poetic without being like pretentious. Like it still feels very genuine uh, and. I, I think like it's just like when I think of who is the best writer about video games I always think of Static Canvas and the, the video I would recommend for that is called The Cost of Horizons and the video is literally like four minutes long and it's amazing so you have like no excuse not to go watch it because it will take literally no time for you um, next up is a movie uh, channel called In Frame Out uh, another great channel that um, what I really like about in frame outs videos are I actually like I was saying earlier is like how hard it can be to when you're not doing talk to camera and stuff to find footage to overlay what you're talking about and in frame out does completely just b-roll footage they don't do any like talk to camera stuff and they find I like I'm always amazed and like talk to them about like how I don't know how you have this encyclopedic knowledge of like 
a reference bank of like, oh, I can pull this video from or this footage from this random movie. And like it's it's such a great assemblage of like just different cuts of, of footage that all flow together and are really well edited. Uh, that is like always impresses me. Um, and the video I would suggest to start with that is called Explained Videos Explained, uh, which is a really good uh, send up of the whole sort of ending explained video phenomenon on YouTube and how weird that is as a concept. Uh, and then my last recommendation is uh, the channel The House That Jack Built, which is another movie-centric channel and is has really good... Um, not I wouldn't go all the way and say like academic but like really good uh, analysis of like the structure of movies and like just filmmaking as a craft in a way that I'm when I watch a movie I'm I have a very hard time like I have to force myself to think about like the film craft and like like if I watch a movie I kind of just get lost in it and I'm, I'm good at thinking about like the themes and the characterization as I'm watching it but if I want to actually think about like whoa what camera angle are they using right now and what does that say about what they're trying to say with the scene I'm very bad I have to like literally force myself to think about that um versus the house of Jack Bill is so good at giving a really good analysis from that kind of film craft perspective that is again it's like hard for me to kind of like get into on my own and the suggestion for that would be uh their video over you were never really here which i also <laughs> ended up bringing up earlier it was a really good uh video about like i remember watching that movie and like enjoying it enough like i really enjoyed it but it was one of those where like i felt like i i just like there was something there that i liked about it but i didn't even really know what it was and then after watching that video really touched on a lot of stuff that i was like oh that's why I really responded to this and really gave me like a whole new appreciation for that movie which I think is really all you can ever ask for for like a video essay of that type so um yeah that's all my recommendations also like Zach Frazier would definitely be on there but I assume since he's been on the podcast multiple times everyone is probably well acquainted with Zach but Zach also very good video boy awesome I subscribed to all of them I, I apparently had already subscribed to first five but I don't I don't know if I had watched anything. But I, the sub button was already clicked. Uh, awesome. Love it. Yeah, that's cool stuff. All right. Well, hey, thank you again, Drew. We really appreciated you uh, taking time out of your schedule and hanging out with us and talking about Elden Ring and Norco, which I'm super stoked to try later on tonight. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, uh, and as always, we gotta we got to thank Madden. Madden, we love you. You know it. Everybody knows it. It's a fact of the world. Uh, you can find Drew's YouTube channel in the description. Uh, I'm going to try to figure out a way to put uh, all these other YouTube channels, too, in a way that's not confusing. We'll, we'll see if I can figure that out. But uh, definitely your YouTube channel will be in the, the podcast description. So check out his channel. Check out his videos. Uh, and uh, we'll be back soon with something about something. I don't know. Now that E3 is canceled, what, what do you think, Warren? Come back November, take a little break. I'm kidding. Uh, Why not? <laughs> uh, we get, there has to be other games, right? Something's going to happen. We'll, we'll have to see. I don't know. Uh, we'll just we'll just take a six months one six month break. Why not? Six month break. Uh, I, I'm going to be a father in six months, so that's that's uh, that's that's going <laughs> to be tricky. <laughs> but uh, just play Norco five times in a row. All right, that that works. That works. Uh, all right, we'll be yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening, and uh, 